I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC. Yes, Generation BSC, our bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the Babysitter's Club, books, TV shows, well, sadly departed TV shows. I know. Book by book, episode by episode. We get into what we remember from our childhoods, what we know now, what we interpret looking back with 2022 eyes, and sometimes enjoy it. Sometimes it's a little bit (laughs) difficult of a conversation. Uh, Sometimes it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think we're probably going to be closer to the good memories on this one. Uh, A little bit less of the uh, controversy on this one. I mean, it's kind of our normal, like, I, I was thinking about that, too, going through. I was like, huh, we've had a couple dicey ones, or at least ones with dicey aspects for mm-hmm. the last couple in a row. I guess New York, New York, not really, but, you know, that's a super special. So those yeah. we've we've discussed. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, their, they're own. their own universe. <laughs> exactly. Shell did get the almond eyes treatment, yeah. uh, this this description, which uh, was a new new addition so but i mean other than than those typical ones that we call out every time nothing really you know major to add to this one i thought it was fun i thought it was a really fun book what about you um it was fun i didn't i didn't enjoy the fact that it was basically just one big plot we didn't get a lot of the side character not uh, side characters isn't even the right story we didn't get a lot of the other babysitters other than all of them being mean to each other in like yeah over and like I'm glad that in the end they realize, and we'll obviously get into what the whole book is, but, like, ultimately I'm glad they realize, like, we weren't actually mad at each other. We were mad at the situation and the fact that we weren't doing the good job that we typically do when we put together these big projects that involve a lot of the kids we sit for and a lot of the families that we sit for. But the way that they were interacting with each other when they were fighting was, like, vicious. And that I didn't like. But I, I did enjoy that it was, you know, sort of... I guess I'm I'm sort of contradicting what I just said. I did enjoy that it was one big story, but I wish that it had been not just Christie's big story with everyone as like on the sidelines. It felt like even though there were major things that each of the girls was doing or that most of each of the girls was doing, like they've sort of felt like an afterthought, even though like Claudia building an entire shoe float in her backyard is kind of a big thing. And they were just sort of like, oh, yeah, Claudia built this thing and it was kind of shitty. And like Stacy is doing all of the painting. She picks out a color and it's a terrible color, apparently, but no one really talks about it. And like it's just like and Mallory does all of the costumes for all of the kids. And like it's not. It's barely mentioned. I think that's the thing I had an issue with. Like, I enjoyed it overall, but, like, the fact that all of the girls were just sort of, like, relegated completely to the sidelines was a little frustrating. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And and I I think my fun – I may have oversold it a little bit. Like, it was – it was because it was, it was fun in a, like, fine kind of way. I think uh, I was less bothered by the sidelining of the other girls – um, I was bothered by the the viciousness, but I was more bothered. It, this one just felt really preachy to me. But we can get into why, and and you've already started filling us in on what each of the girls was up to. So let's actually dive into the plot. Mm-hmm. This week we are, since we haven't even mentioned what book we're talking about, <laughs> we are talking about Christy and the Baby Parade, which is book 45 in the series. It was released in June 1991 and was ghostwritten by our gal Ellen Miles. And, and yeah, this was one that I, I could tell the ghostwriter right away. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't able to pick out Ellen. I had a pretty good idea. It wasn't... Um, our Larangus. It didn't have right. that like sarcastic aside thing happening. But when I saw her name, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. She tends to do, I'm, I'm starting to notice some of the more 
not preachy, but lesson-y, like driven ones. Or like, uh, not even lesson, but like, because there was the Danny Tanner lesson, but there was also the like didactic how to take care of a baby aspect. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's sort of Ellen's specialty a little bit. Yeah, like deeper dive teachable moments. Yeah, and like on, on specific like, I don't want to say technical training, yeah. but kind of like the difference between like the emotional stuff and like the here is how to right. know, change a diaper and like that kind of thing. Because we got kind of granular into like don't forget to put your hand in between the cloth baby and the pins or the and the mm-hmm. when you're doing the side so you don't poke them with a pin. Like I I was like that's detail, right? Very specific knowledge to impart to readers. Exactly that, and that just felt a little strange for this one, and I think that's what I meant by it. But yeah. in, in any case, I think that that is largely attributed to the Ellen Miles. I think she gets some of those more because mm-hmm. um, we've seen some of this before, where uh, th- you know, like when somebody gets sick or something like that. When we get the like step by step, here is how you handle this right. situation, so, which we've talked about mixed feelings about, which I'm sure we'll get into in, in more depth. But the only other thing I wanted to point out before we do the plot description is Kate mentioned our dearly beloved, dearly departed TV series. And this is, if you remember, the last episode of that show. So I'm certain we'll, we'll, this is kind of our last opportunity to really, you know, touch back onto what we witnessed from that series. I'm certain we'll continue to talk about what we wish we would have seen Mm -hmm. out of future episodes. And it brought all back up a little bit of like a, aw, Mm -hmm. uh, with this one, which was kind of interesting because as uh, you mentioned, they really only focus on the baby parade in this one, and there's none of the stuff with Christie's dad. So yeah. there really isn't an emotional payoff to the the big fight at the end because, like you said, they they realize they're not fighting with each other. Right. So we don't have that outlet of the of the parents in this one. So just throwing that out there as we're going into the plot description, we didn't forget anything. <laughs> that is TV show, not book. Right. So book description. The babysitters just love little babies. So, of course, Christy has the great idea of entering a float in the Stony Brook Baby Parade. All the girls have to do is round up a bunch of adorable babies like Squirt and Emily Michelle, dress them up in costumes, and plop them on a float. Easy, right? Wrong. The float looks like a big orange blob, the costumes are hideous, and the babies won't stop crying. S-O-S. The babysitter's float is about to sink. I love that that last line is way more um, dramatic than they were about the actual sinking boat plot line. Right. Yeah. The, the, the you know, the detrimental float or the, the poor quality, poor planning, bad situation float is worse than two babysitters and four literal children being stranded on an island for a long weekend. Literally, the back of the boat description of of that island adventure was had a very like rut row right. kind of tone, and this was, I feel like that like, one oh, no. focused more on like like Don and Marianne had a big fight before Don went missing, and it's like okay, well the fight is sort of bullshit. <laughs> like <laughs> there's children, there's lives at stake, but you know yeah. Marianne and Don had a fight over Logan calling her on the phone. Like what? Jamie Newton is at death's door. Right. Like, th- that is he has to yeah. stay in the hospital overnight when they get back. <laughs> And and but this one is like SOS, the float sucks. <laughs> Although, I mean, for Charlie, it, it this does feel more life or death stakes. Poor 100%. Charlie. Uh poor Charlie. Um I you know what is interesting, speaking of the book to movie 
uh, uh, plot or book to movie, book to show. I think as you're going to describe and talk us through this, like what they did with the float, this might be the most accurate or like faithful um, book to show plot translation. Yeah, uh, in terms of like the, how, what the, the float part, I right? Mean, yeah, taking about the out fact the, that the, the Watson stuff. It, yeah, yeah, it's very. I mean, I think like the, even the color, right? I think the only thing that's different is like the float in the book is much more elaborate. The wrong word. It's like it's clearly bigger. Like the float in the show was there were like four babies, and in this one they've got like ten, and they're on the Fair all point. of them are on the float too. But like. Other than that, yeah, because the color, the, you know, red-orange paint and, like, the weird costumes. I guess the the one thing I did notice, because on the show, Mallory, like, sews all yes. the holes shut on the, like, outfits that she makes. Here she at least does a good job sewing, which kind of annoyed me because I was like, show Mallory, they really did her dirty. And I know we talked about that when we talked about the show, but it's like, she knew what she was doing. She maybe didn't collaborate with Stacey on choosing coordinating colors for the costumes that match the the shoe or choosing a better shoe color. But like she knew what she was doing. She sewed all of these costumes. And then the girls are like, well, what about our costumes? Like, I can't sew seven more costumes in a day. What do you want from <laughs> yeah. me? Like that was really shitty. I honestly, though, I read that mower as a translation from like late 80s, early 90s to modern day young girls not knowing how to sew. Like I buy that Mallory in 1980s would have been taught to sew by her mom or her grandma. And I also buy that show Mallory of 2022, of 2020, I guess, um, would not necessarily have been taught that and would have been, you know, worse at that. So I I chalk that up more to that than her, than a slam to her character, although it is an unfortunate show Mallory once again getting right. the Get in the shaft. But okay, we, we've literally discussed the whole book before we've gotten anywhere near your description this time again. Uh, and we were, we've been getting better. <laughs> Apparently well, we're not, not. We're not that far into the episode. So we'll do it now. Fair point. We, we, we've realized our, our timing concerns as usual, and we'll do it now. Then we can really dive into the full conversation. So, yeah. Okay. So there's not really a, any delineation between the A plot and the B plot here. So it's just one big summary this week. And it's the book where everyone's obsessed with babies. There's the biannual Stony Brook Baby Parade. And on top of that, Christy gets a semi-weekly regular babysitting job for Jenny and Andrea Prezioso that requires an infant care class before she can start. All of the girls decide to take the class with Christy, and Christy gets perfect scores on her evaluations, even though she initially dropped the ball on using the class as a marketing opportunity, which is quickly rectified at later classes and graduation. Christy also has the great idea, which Christy lets us know she's famous for, and decides the Babysitter's Club should do a float featuring all the babies they sit for in the baby parade. The girls all have ideas, but they eventually settle on the old woman who lived in a shoe, with all of them, babies and BSC members alike, dressed as kids, with Christy stepping in to take one for the team and be the old woman. That's where their teamwork ends, however, with each girl taking on a different aspect of the project, Claudia designing the shoe, Stacy deciding on paint, and Mallory designing and making the costumes, without any real teamwork or communication. There are a few construction and baby... <laughs> and baby-introducing events in Claudia's backyard, but eventually the girls all end up in a fight. The parade is a disaster, with many extremely well-done floats, including my personal favorite, which is based on Star Wars, 
In one bright spot, though, Andrea Prezioso wins first place in the stroller division after Christy is enlisted to help Mrs. Prezioso with her quote-unquote Queen Andrea costume and conversion of her stroller into a coach complete with a horse. The girls ultimately make up after realizing they aren't mad at each other. It's actually that they are just embarrassed about their float, and they all learn the lesson that they should communicate and work together as a team to be the most successful they can possibly be. Not for nothing, though, they all treated each other very poorly as a result of said embarrassment. Yeah, I definitely had mixed feelings about my girl Christy about this one. Mm-hmm. They were there. Were, I So I honestly, that's where I wanted to start. I wanted to just ask you how she read to you in this one. Were you like, ugh? shut the fuck up or were you like it could have been worse or uh, where did you land with with our girl all this this time um i i mean it, i'm sure it could have been worse it can always be worse i was a little bit frustrated in the first couple chapters i think cuz you know she I, I mean, I'm going back and forth. Like, I really, it annoyed me when she was like, I'm famous for having great ideas. I'm like, but that's a very Christy thing to say. And she like calls herself bossy. She says she has a big mouth. You know, she like, I don't want her like acknowledging her faults, but like, I also got annoyed that the way that Ellen wrote this one was like, look at all these things that Christy's, you know, that's wrong with Christy. And, but it's okay because Christy's calling herself all these things. And so it's like, I got frustrated with her on the one hand, but then I also was like, why is this book treating Christy like she's an asshole? Yeah, I, that's I kind of where I landed too. I felt like there were definitely moments where it was, it was very quintessential Christy mm-hmm. and, and, and very much the things that I sort of uh, you know, had moments where I was like, Ugh, I respond <laughs> right. to this in a way that I don't love. Um, like some of her stuff around wanting to be the best of the class and like right. recognizing that that was kind of not the best impulse. And then like being so convinced that it was going to be Dawn who got the best, like all of that just felt so familiar mm-hmm. in ways that even being in that class, I, I honestly didn't remember, like not much of the actual plot came back to me. But I did remember the baby stuff because I 100% went out and signed up for, like, a three-day Red Cross, Mm -hmm. like, babysitter certification course that I then insisted all the other girls in my babysitter's club sign up for as well. Right. Um, One, I think, ended up coming with me for a day and then then was like, peace out. Uh, No, I don't even remember that's true. But definitely they were not as interested as I was in spending eight hours a day at the library during the summer, you know, christying it up. And – I thought the book was harder on her than she really deserved. I thought a lot of the the parade stuff that would have been a a, a very easy place for her to just like take mm-hmm. over and start really you know uh, belittling everybody, tearing people down, and like she really makes a concerted effort. And, and I honestly, to the detriment of that's the, what I was going to say. Project. I feel like this could have used a little bit of Christy being Christy. <laughs> Exactly. And that's why it seems so unfair that it was so like, ugh, you're, I know I'm an asshole, but blah, blah, blah. Right. And I, like, I was like, but this is an exact opportunity. Like, I almost wish that some of the message had been like, hey, or Christy had been like making a conscious effort to be like, hey, I know I can be like this, like, cause, as she is. Right. And saying, so I'm going to step back. I'm purposely not going to take over. I'm not going to micromanage. I'm not going to tell everybody what to do. And then at the end, have part of the lesson be like, Hey, maybe you sometimes don't go about it in the best way, but having someone as as a as a leader is helpful. Um, I do like that they focused on the cooperation piece mm-hmm. of it, though. That it was all of them not talking to each other and all of them 
not being willing to, you know, like inter- in interject in somebody else's business and, and that, um, uh, yeah, I thought it was good, just underwhelming, mm-hmm. you know, it, it didn't, it felt, I think what I'm realizing, uh, especially pointing out the, the addition of the, the Watson plot is that's really what this is missing is any kind of emotion. Mm-hmm. Like the girls are assholes to each other, but you don't ever feel like anybody's really hurt or like you don't feel it. Normally when the girls are fighting, we feel that. Yeah. And that's a big emotional core driving moment of the plot. It's like, oh no, we don't want this for them. Right. And this, they are all just being little jerks to each other, but because they're all frustrated. Right. Like, so there's no... So it's so very easy for them to to forgive each other because, like you said, I do like that they pointed out that they're they're not really mad at each other. They're mad at this, at the situation, which is a great message, but without any B-plot, so without any, like, fun shenanigans mm-hmm. because none of the parade shenanigans are terribly fun. Right. And without any emotional, like, catharsis to it, it just feels a little dry. dry. That, I think that's the word mm-hmm. I've been circling is, is it just feels a little dry. Not not boring exactly, but not – it was like that happened. Okay. Right. Fine. It was fun. In one ear, out the other. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just – yeah, it was just a story that we read and it was fine. You know, like it ended and I was like, okay, let, let's talk about this. You know, like I went – and I, I was not – like I'm always excited to talk to you about the Babysitter's Club, obviously. But like right. some books, I'm much more like I can't wait to talk about this book. And this one – I finished it yesterday, like, you know, middle of the afternoon. I, like, took a little break, and I was like, okay, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to do the recording guide. I'm going to finish my notes. And I just finished, and I was like, okay, so we're going to talk about this tomorrow. Like, yeah, are there any, like, major things I want to bring up? Like, I want to talk about how it relates to the show since we weren't able to have that conversation. But, like, that's the thing I'm most excited about. And the thing I'm most excited about from that episode is the Watson stuff, which isn't even in this book. Yeah. You know? Like, it's just sort of like, oh, okay. It's a book. We, you know, some stuff happened. I will say though, you know what's interesting? It's just sort of occurring to me is that I was saying it was such a faithful translation and it is in a lot of ways, but the show stops and allows them to actually have a fight with each other and so then tie that emotional catharsis in with the Watson mm-hmm. payoff. But because they don't have that the book actually goes through and p- give, puts them the torture of making them go through right. that parade on that shitty float. Like the the show spares them that yeah. that embarrassment. And notably, as we as we mentioned briefly earlier, not only do they put the girls through that, they put poor Charlie through that, who is just being a kind big brother. Like, I honestly, I think Charlie may be the best person in Stony Brook. Like, I mean, they they are paying him to drive them through the parade. And Christy notes that it's like dollars and and he's really doing it out of the, the goodness of his heart. That's that's like a gesture, like even the like 50 cents that they charge him to drive every day. Like, can you imagine in high school, one of the boys that you knew in high school at like 15 or 16 being like, yeah, my little 12 year old sister is going to give me 50 cents or maybe a, a dollar by the time we were in high school to, you know, leave after school events every day and or three times a week and go pick her up and chauffeur her around and then I, I don't know he just I, I just keep getting struck by or this book I was really just struck by what a good like I think what it was is I was obviously thinking about all the Watson stuff like you said because there's not so much of that in in the book itself 
So I was thinking about how in the books it is so matter of fact about the Christie's dad. Like I feel like the things that I remember that are uh, that are emotional about the lack of Mr. Thomas are from the movie and from the shows. Mm-hmm. Like the books, I don't really remember them ever having a him coming back right. or her having an emotional thing about it. It's just that he left when we were kids. My mom's a trooper. We're good. Yeah. But like thinking about that emotional pathos that's missing and like how Charlie is doing all of this, like what that what that must have been like for that kid to like step mm-hmm. up and have to feel like uh, being there as a as a dad figure for his little sister and what it must now be like now to have this new stepfather fic in, step in and uh, like there's so much I, like we've talked before about wanting Charlie and Sam fanfic mm-hmm. like know what 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 they're doing off in this world um but more and more i i like charlie is going to be a side character that i i i think i'm just going to be continuing to create headcanon mm-hmm. when when we get him in books where there isn't like a ton of great ideas right. that we would have like things that we're like dying to talk about i have a feeling that it, that's going to be my new fun like um adventure watch <laughs> like <laughs> what's charlie up to this month fair cuz otherwise it was yeah there was not as much like shenanigans yeah it, it was all just frustrations yeah which is not a fun shenanigan yeah well and even like the side babysitting jobs where like don's babysitting the marshals and like jesse's babysitting for her siblings they ultimately end up at claudia's house and it's just part of the main plot because you know like we usually like you said the shenanigans usually come from those side you know oh there's a couple extra babysitting jobs that you know we get the the notebook entry from whoever's job it is that's not the narrator and then that narrator tells the story and there's usually something wacky maybe it ties into the main plot maybe it's its own thing but here it's like and then we went over to Claudia's house and you know we got into a fight and you know the babies met each other like the, and i guess the babies all being introduced to each other that was very cute because they were all very formal about like yeah. you know this is you know, giving their their full name, you know, John whatever Ramsey, also known as Squirt, you know, like they go into the, like this whole thing and, you know, Mistress Andrea Prezioso, like that was very cute, but like that was the extent of the shenanigans and it was like a paragraph <laughs> and it's a small exactly. paragraph at that. Yeah, I going into this, I was got really excited because I was like, oh, we are really like getting into the babies of it. And I'm not going to lie to you. I love babies. I am like one of those people that is a baby freak. And I I, I think part of that is coming from a, a big family um, and being sort of in the middle of a pack of 50 first cousins. There were just always mm-hmm. babies around at every event. And then also, you know, being eight to 10, seven to 10, somewhere in there, you know, when my siblings were born and being old enough to not, you know, be a parent like we've talked about, but definitely be involved in the baby stuff. Mm -hmm. And I loved, I loved that. And that was such a, a, like, a huge thing for me as a kid. So I was so, so excited. It's still now, who am I kidding? I still, like, I'm a disgustingly obsessed with my two-year-old nephew. I think he's the cutest thing in the entire world. And that's all I could think. Um, I was like, Henry would be adorable on this float. Um, <laughs> but I wanted more of those baby shenanigans. Like, that scene was mm-hmm. so cute. But here I was, I, I'm, like, building it up in my head um, uh, with all of this fun baby stuff. And then it was only that one moment. Yeah. And, like, even on the on the float, the the focus was more on the babysitters like looking around and what the other floats were and feeling embarrassed. And then like, it's sort of matter of fact that like the babies were good. And then by the end they were, they were over it and crying. Right. And not like, like I, I, I was expecting it to be like a climactic. Oh, now I'm rewriting as we do 
it would have been fun if everything had gone wrong on the float and they had to like come together and realize, Mm -hmm. oh, this is what we were missing the whole time. Right. That could have been a really like giving you the emotional moment and then more, you know, baby shenanigan fun. Just take it that extra little because the messaging is really good. It's just we get messages we get the same level of of messaging delivered in a more fun way, mm-hmm. usually. Yeah, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm talking myself out of liking it. I, I didn't dislike it at all. I, I just, like I said, you know what this reminds me of. I'm um doing a couple of of rewatches of of older TV shows. I'm having one of those like comfort moments where I just want to like watch old friends <laughs> and. You know, things like Lost or Friends or Buffy or or that 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 used to be on that old TV network model. We got used to that filler episode, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, not a lot not a lot happens. You just sort of hang out with the characters. Everything sort of resets, even on those more serialized shows. Yeah. A- and this I guess Friends is a bad example. That didn't have as many like overarching plots. But like shows like Lost and Buffy that were really serialized, but still on that old network model, Mm -hmm. we would have these kind of wheel spinning episodes. And this is what, as I'm talking through it and realizing that this is what that feels like, Mm -hmm. right? There's nothing big that happens. This isn't the one that anybody like remembers, which is, I think is why it's interesting that they chose this as the finale for season two. Mm -hmm. But it does just to me feel kind of like a, um, settling into. And so actually maybe this is more interesting than I thought because if you think about it this way, it feels kind of like settling into where we're going for the rest of the series. Like we're, we've we figured out we're going to keep this going. We've got a bunch of people coming in. Now we know we're really just going to be like settling into, okay, what's a plot for each one? How do we keep that 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 momentum and and uh, pace up? And I think that that is is something we're going to have to see how that affects you know few, those these future books as as we continue to go from, you know, book 45 up to book 200 and some when we start including all of the mm-hmm. offshoot sections as well. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely filler. I don't, I guess I'm not totally following what you're saying with like where we're going because I don't know that this like sets any real tone, but yeah. No, I mean, I, that's what I mean. The lack of tone being set where it's like, We've transitioned from the initial thought was like, here, we've got this book series that's telling sort of a contained story. And then they sort of expanded it. And I think they're right right around this time is when Scholastic and and them that realize and Anne and and the writers feels like this is this book and a couple around here are when they are figuring out, oh, we can make this run for a long time. Mm. But that does mean we need to sort of. Uh, not trim down a little bit, but like sort of simplify maybe a little bit so that we can formulize things a little bit more so it's easier to keep that one a month pace Mm -hmm. and keep this going for a long time. And if we, you know, throw a ton in every book and if we make a big pathos in every book and we we like carry, if every book is Stacey's in the hospital, I I, I don't know how long that could have sustained. Mm -hmm. So I think this is where they're sort of starting to realize, oh, we need to start telling some of these smaller, more contained stories to keep this as a as an ongoing thing as long as we possibly can in the same way that those shows that had longer longer episode orders had to put in some filler that was like yeah this isn't this is going to contribute to the overall tone and mood and theme of our of our series but it's not going to really be anything that is um a standout if that makes sense mm-hmm. more sense yeah i i can see what you're saying with that i 
I don't know. It's more of a hypothesis yeah. than an, an actual, like, I'm going to be curious to see if we get more of these streamlined versions mm-hmm. that, and less of our uh, traditional kind of chaotic, uh, bigger emotional payoff mm-hmm. thing. Okay. I yeah. I mean, I it'll be interesting to see because I, I don't think that we... I certainly wouldn't think that this is the first one that we've gotten of that, but I no 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 yeah I mean I it's I I don't think that this is the first of it by any stretch. I think it's more that we are starting to enter into that period, like where like this is a a a sign that we're firmly into that that switch of of moving away from of of the more um I don't know big big it it, it this feels like. We, we used to talk about the big, big issue, like Danny Tanner moment every, uh, felt like almost every book. And now it feels like it's been a while, or those are fewer and farther between, right? We have the Stacey's one, but the rest of them have felt more like this one. And I think that the, this is just sort of indicative of what we're settling into. I'm not explaining myself very well. Hopefully someone else out there is <laughs> resonating. Following it's, me. It's resonating more with them. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I just, it's not. So I'm finding a place in my heart in any real <laughs> strong way. I'm not I'm not well, discounting what you're saying. I just I'm not it's not resonating with me in any particular way. But I'm sure other people will probably feel similarly. It's just I'm not the the perfect person to <laughs> receive that message today. <laughs> but speaking of receiving messages, let's talk about Watson in the show cuz I I mean I know we've already talked about this but like we really were missing that piece mm-hmm. of it here. And I think and I think something you said maybe before we ta- started talking about the the filler episode concept, but something in you said sort of triggered me to think I think part of the reason why they chose this book was because they had the opportunity to really expand on that that Watson Christie relationship. I think that having them adding the piece of them both being you know, babies that won. I can't remember what the actual title was, but that this was like a thing that has been going on since before Watson was even born, probably. And so actually, definitely because he was, you know, year whatever, and there was some super old people that were brought back for it. So the fact that Watson won this, you know, best baby or whatever topic it was, and then Christy won, and they're trying to get everyone back. And Christy's like, I don't want to do this thing with Watson. It's dumb. And, you know, giving yeah. expanding what this baby parade situation is and adding in something that can bring them together. And then you add in the stuff with Christie's dad being a piece of shit. And Watson really, I mean, through the show in particular, obviously the books we've talked about, Watson is there. He's a good stepdad. He's there. He's supportive. He participates, but he's not around as much. But because it's a television show, we're getting more of that, especially because Christie's family, as much as we love all of the families, Christie's family sort of felt like one of the primary focuses of that show. And so we got a lot sure. with Elizabeth and with Watson and Watson and Christie and the rest of the kids. And I really think that when they were writing that finale, they wanted an opportunity to really bring that family together even more solidly. You know, we end especially because we ended the first season with them getting married, and then we end the second season with them really coming into their own as a full, complete family. And not that they weren't a family before, but like they all sort of bonded and felt it. And Watson, you know, stepping up and talking about, you know your dad sucks. I'm and I'm like, he's like, understands what she's going through. He understands what she's feeling. He's there for her. He meets her where she is. But then he also says, I love you guys. I'm we're a family. I want to adopt you. I want you to I want to make this official, even though you don't need that piece of paper. But there's just something about in a situation like that. It's just very nice. Nice is maybe not enough of a word, but it's just very nice to see that 
you know, I I want to be there for you in a way that your biological father basically never has, especially for David Michael. He left when David Michael was a baby, you know, like David Michael doesn't even know his father for all t- intents and purposes. And yeah. for Watson to be like, I love you guys. You're my kids. Let's make it official on, you know, the government records. I mean, you're my kids regardless, but like, I want to prove to you in the world, you know, because people are dumb. People feel certain ways about blended families yeah. and mixed families and chosen families. And, you know, sometimes the outsiders need that, you know, formal recognition as stupid as that is. But it's even some people that's not even enough. And right. That's exactly. But whatever. Exactly. And but so it's nice to see that the, the show took the opportunity to really, you know, put an official spin on these are Watson's kids and Watson and Edie have made this family that they all love. And, you know, all the kids love each other. All the parents love each other. You know, I, I just that and you said it earlier, you know, that's what this book was missing. We were missing that emotional beat of any kind. And it goes back to what you were saying about it being maybe more of a filler episode. We can't have that huge emotional resonance at the end of every single book. This book, I think, though, was lacking in not having that. I think it needed something. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, the point about the filler episodes is they don't have a huge emotional payoff, and I think that that's good. We don't need that every right. time. Like we talked about, like we just had Stacy's emergency. We don't need every single one to be the very special episode because not every episode of Full House was very special. Episode. Right. You know, sometimes it was, you know, drugs and drinking or whatever, but sometimes it was just like lock the door before you right. you go out or <laughs> right. like don't forget to you know. I, whatever. I don't know. It's been a long time since I watched an episode of Full House. I'm not going to lie. Now I'm kind of thinking that that might be fun or terrible. <laughs> Probably both, actually. Fair. And the point is, it it does need some kind of emotional payoff. Right. Like even even the filler episodes of of any of those shows, serialized storytelling or not, whether it was a you know Full House was certainly not serialized in the way that Buffy or Lost was, but it was definitely like. You had some kind of an emotional component mm-hmm. to each one, even if it wasn't a major one. And this, it was a nice, like, releasing of tension when they realized, oh, we're all just being jerks. But it wasn't an emotional catharsis. Yeah, and and there, there's a there's a distinct difference in how that come how that read to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is is interesting because I don't I wonder if that was intentional. Now that we're we're sort of talking about it that way, maybe it was intended that that was supposed to be the like emotional payoff yeah. was them all you know, recognizing that we're not mad at each other and being able to laugh together. And, and and to me, it just didn't read as as emotion, especially I think part of it is we are comparing it to the TV show and we right. kind of can't help but do that and and like see those two things together. And I really like your, your idea about why they picked this episode. I was kind of thinking it was, um, I was thinking of it more in a practical way where I was sort of looking at the list and I was like, well, I know they likely wanted to end on a Christie, mm-hmm. right? And they, so that, you know, what around there is a, is a Christie book. And this one was, you know, one of the, the, the ones closest to where they were mm-hmm. that, had space for them to play with. It wasn't right. iconic. They weren't going to like butt up against a plot that was going to piss a bunch of people off. Like they couldn't do like Christian and when she meets Bart or any of that. You can you imagine like people as a and and as sad as it is, I can't imagine that the team who made such an incredible show wasn't smart enough to be aware that Netflix is Netflix and there is a chance we're not coming back. So they wanted to you know, give some kind mm-hmm. of a of that emotional wrap up and and button to the scene and introducing Bart 
wouldn't, number one, wouldn't do that. And number two is opening a can of worms if you, right. you know, try to, to mess with that and then never come back, you know? Right. Well, um, and also, since we've never even gotten Koki, if they would have done Christie's Mystery Admirer, we also have to introduce Koki somehow or... Exactly. I mean, it would have, like, they would have had to have basically changed that entire second season if they were going to... If they were going to end on Christie's Mystery Admirer, it would have been yeah. – you would have had to lay the groundwork of some of that because even by the time we get there, it's not that they meet Bart for the first time. That's just the one of the first ones where they focus on him. But he's around before that and Koki's around before that. So it's it would have been difficult for sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think that from a practical – like if I'm – if I put on my like TV, I want to – I'm looking for an episode mm-hmm. – hat this is the one that makes the logical sense and and now reading it because i remember that was one of the questions that we had when we were watching it is like of all the crazy right. ones why you know wh- why why this one that that is so unmemorable and i think that that was part of it is because they knew that they wanted the the emotion mm-hmm. to be around watson and and all that the, that amazing powerful stuff that you were you you so eloquently were were talking about that it did so well it I, I think that they had to pick a kind of nothing mm-hmm. B plot in order to not drown out. And so that that as 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 book reader fans, we weren't going, I mean, this is great. And this was one of my favorite books. Like right. I I hate that it got, you know, demoted. Right. So that we could focus on 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 this relationship. So I think that that was really savvy of them mm-hmm. looking back, uh, you know, uh, again funny how at the time we were going this is such a strange pick right why did they do this and then like now um, as we're talking through it and really thinking about it i I think it's a really really smart smart place Mm -hmm. for them to go um and it just makes me miss the show even more i I just especially because you're right book watson and also there were a couple of things that that for whatever reason i actually maybe it was because there wasn't as much other stuff to focus on. There were a couple of things that stood out to me that maybe I never really like thought about before. But one of them is Watson only gets Karen and David Michael, not David Michael, Karen and Andrew. Wow. David Michael is Christy. Wow. (laughs) Karen and Andrew every other weekend. Mm -hmm. So he gets them two weekends a month. And and two weeks in the summer. Yeah. And they they make it sound like he's such an involved dad and they're like such a blended family. And I'm like, these kids drop in like twice a month. Right. Um, I don't. Okay. Sure. Uh, I don't remember that. So that was one of those things that, uh, like, the show don't tell. Where we again, we get hear all about how what a badass nanny is on the go, and I'm like, that's right. Oh yeah, we've never seen any of that. Right. And then in this one, and this, then they're like Watson. You know, such a great dad. Blah 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 blah. And I was like, it is he though in real like if I. In real life, we're we're hearing of a father that we're only seeing his children twice a month mm-hmm. while adopting someone else's kids, by the way. Well, that, I'd be like... That's the thing. And I know, I think we've maybe talked about this before, because this isn't the first time they said the, the two weekends and two weeks in the summer. But like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know that we've done a, as deep a dive, but like, we've seen that Watson and his ex-wife have a good relationship. They live in town. So it... And yes, it was the 80s and you know, maybe things were a little bit, not maybe, things were different in, you know, custody situations and divorces and child support and alimony and all of that. All that being said, though, there's really no explanation for why Watson is only seeing his kids essentially four days a month 
and two weeks in the summer. And I'm sure that there's like crossover with activities. You know, if they, you know, Andrew has a, a baseball game or Karen has a play or a choir concert or Andrew has a choir concert, whatever. Like, I'm sure Watson still goes to all those things. It's not like he doesn't, he only sees his children for those four days a month. He, yeah, he doesn't seem like a bad dad right. in any way, shape, or form. But you're right in that they always talk about Watson's such a great dad, and all of these books fall happen to fall on the weekends when Karen and Andrew are staying at, at Watson's house. It just seems like a weird, unnecessary detail, right? Like, right. why not just say yeah. half the time they live with their mom and half the time they live with us? Like, why why even specify right. that in a way that makes us then go – and the thing is, we we have recognized and acknowledged that aside from us and the, the other handful of Babysitter's Club podcasts and or – blogs or whatever, you know, versions of of what we're doing mm-hmm. that exist or have existed or will exist. Nobody else is reading these as closely as we are. So, I, you know, <laughs> there's a reason it's taken us till book 45 to really, like, interrogate that yeah. um, and, and, and to get to a book where we're like, yeah, it's good. It's right. fine. We, we have we spaces a good mess to talk lesson. about less and important topics. let's look at some other stuff yeah. for us to really dig into that at all. So, I, you know, it may be just overthinking it. And because it is such an inconsequential detail, why is it there? Like, it just. You you don't even have to say that. Like you said, you can just say they spend half their time with us. They spend half their time at their mom's house. And like, it doesn't have to be this specific delineation, especially when that delineation is so limited at Watson's house. And especially when these books are aimed at like 10 to 13 year olds, right? Right. It doesn't matter. 13 year old is is thinking in depth about custody agreements. Although maybe maybe there are kids of, of divorced parents who only get to see their dad a couple of times a month, but it, he's still a really great involved dad yeah. and, and, and they want to. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe this is, again, our a blind spot for us uh, not having had that experience. So, OK, I'm glad we we allowed for at least some other possibility. But even still, I'm certain there are probably kids of, of divorced parents listening going, yeah, I only saw my dad four times a month. He was a fucking deadbeat. Right. Because <laughs> that, you know, that that exists, too. So I don't want to. You know, it just it was it, it opens a can. It's a strange thing for the book to include because it opens a can of worms that they that they don't address. Like it'd be one thing if they talked about how hard it was for the kids to go back and forth mm-hmm. or like had a book, but they but they're just not interested in interrogating those kind of family issues. Right. Or we not that we've seen yet. So it just seems like an odd whatever. I don't know. That was kind of an it. I didn't mean to, but I did sort of inadvertently in that way transition us into uh, sort of random thoughts. Um, did you have any others that – I had a couple that, yeah, that popped up. Yeah, I had – I had two. Um, the first is just they make reference – I think this is the first time we got it in the books, and I don't even remember it from the books, but I remember it from the movie. We get a mention of Jimmy Tony, Nina Marshall's yes, um, imaginary Tony. friend. And I was like – it like – unlocked a huge memory like I knew from the the movies and I was like oh my god and I figured watching the movie like that had to have been from the book that's a very specific thing to reference but I don't ever recall seeing it in the books so when I got there I was like Jimmy Tony's here (laughs) I had the exact same thing I was like but I I did not remember that it was specifically from the movie Mm. I as much as I love the movie because I do a, a lot actually I don't have as many distinct memories of it because I did really love the TV show and the books and the movie all, all at the very same mm-hmm. time. So there are a lot of like the plot points and a lot of the like, especially I, I, I can very visually separate my like book reading images of the girls, the HBO 
version of the girls or Disney Channel, which is where what I watched it yep, back in the day. Me too. And, and and the movie version of the girls. Like those right. are very distinct. But the kids, like I would always forget if Pete from Pete and Pete was in was Jackie in the movie or the TV show. Like oh, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I couldn't remember like Jimmy Tony if I remembered it from the book or the movie or whatever. But I immediately was like, oh yes. Yep. Jimmy Tony. Uh, this is uh, yeah. I remember this imaginary friend because I I loved it was so funny mm-hmm. that this I well cuz my sister had a friend in in kindergarten and she couldn't quite say his name correctly and so we thought this poor kid had the wrong name for a whole year. So I thought that maybe she had like two friends named Jimmy and Tony oh, that she was calling yeah. Jimmy Tony, but I love it even more that it's just It's just Jimmy Tony. That's that's what she named her friend. It's just <laughs> Jimmy Tony. Forget it, Jake. It's just Jimmy Tony. Just Jimmy Tony. I, yeah, I loved that. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> One of the other things, it's kind of similar to the the Watson custody arrangement thing that popped out. This is something that I've noticed before, but I've never really, like, it, it really kind of stuck in my craw this time. Because Christy makes a comment about, like, getting the kids back from the library because the Babysitter's Club meeting was about to start. And I was like, they make such a thing about everybody has to be there every Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 5.30 to 6. And like, I know that we've kind of talked about it, but like, it was, I couldn't ignore the fact this time that like, so is every parent in Stony Brook not allowed to do anything between 5.30 and 6, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so that the girls can all be at the meeting? Like, did Christy take the kids home and be like, sorry, I have a place to be. You're going to have to be home by 5.25. your mom will be home soon. Like it, it was. It really kind of struck me. I was like, "It, why?" Again, that's such a, a strange thing that I'd never, it just never, like registered with me. But that's that's a not insignificant chunk of time for girls who are literally booked. It sounds like every day, all day, that that they just have to fully be like, "No, we're unavailable for this block of time." Right. Sorry, you can't have an emergency. Sorry, you can't schedule a dinner. Like, sorry, you can't have a meeting go long. Yeah, 525 and I'm out. Well, and I think the only time that there's ever actually been an issue with that time frame, I'm pretty sure was in Dawn and the Impossible 3 because that was the point, though, is that Mrs. Barrett was so bad about timing and getting where she needed to be. I think that's literally the only time that someone has been late or missed late to or missed a babysitter's club meeting because of babysitting or because of literally anything. These girls never miss a meeting unless you're, you know, Claudia on your artistic spirit quest with Ashley Wyeth and you, you know, maybe you're not going to be a babysitter at all anymore. Like that's, that's like the only reason anyone ever misses <laughs> or they're in the hospital like Stacey. Nobody ever has a family dinner that they right. have to go to. It's 530, uh, like on a Friday. Like, no one there's ever never goes on vacation except when they're all on vacation Together. for those two week school holidays every couple months. <laughs> like, yeah, literally no one ever misses. No one has to go out of town for a funeral, for a wedding, for anything. Nothing is Everyone's, more important. Everyone is always there 530 to 6. That's why it's hilarious that Dawn is the alternate officer because she basically never gets to do anything other than just sit there. She never exactly. does anyone else's job. And I love how Dawn is the alternate officer, but she's also Marianne's stepsister. Mm-hmm. So, like, if that family goes on vacation, Dawn's going to be like, sorry, I can't go because I have to take no over secretary. for Marianne. <laughs> like, or no no secretary. Like, it's just the logistics of it are very funny. And it's one of those things that, like, yeah, it's just very much a suspension of disbelief. Right. Like, obviously, nobody's thinking too hard about that. There's a reason we're, we're not harping on it every book. But at the same time, it's like when we have a book like this where there isn't as much to focus on, those are the things that do kind of mm-hmm. pop up in my brain when I'm like, seriously, 
And even when we were talking about the Barretts, you're right. We didn't like get into the fact. We did talk a little bit about that. They were like children telling the adults like get your shit together. But she was like, get your shit together because I have a very important business meeting to attend. Right. (laughs) Which is its own kind of ridiculousness. Which brings me to my last like other like little thing that I've never really thought about before. The visor. Christy is so, it's just so matter of fact in the way that they are about, you know, like character things like we've talked about that you wear a visor in a, in a business capacity. It's, it's, it makes, she even explicitly calls out in this one that she has to wear a visor every meeting because it's, it's very professional or whatever. Where, where does that come from? I, I mean, I do associate the visor with business, but it's from these books right. and from Christy Thomas, like, is this some trope that I have just missed out on? I Are you aware of, like, the only thing I, I think about visors other than Babysitter's Club is, like, tennis pros and then, like, the the red vinyl ones from, like, the 70s that, that to me, read, like, a gambler or sketchy, not, you know, business <laughs> Yeah, person. I was going to say, the only other thing I thought of was, like, the green vinyl visors or transparent ones that, like, accountants back in the olden times would wear when they had, you know, they're, like... What, like their garters the on their sleeves, you yes. know, like they're working hard and they, I don't know why you would need a visor when you're doing books for a, maybe a casino. Maybe that's where you're thinking of too. But yeah, I, yeah. I don't, yeah, visor doesn't ring authoritative presidential position of power. Like, why doesn't she have a gavel? You know what? If I was if I was retconning this, I would ditch the visor and give her a gavel. Like, can you see Christine right, with like, calling banging, them to order? Get, call, like, me to order. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So anyway, that was my little, I was like, okay, I don't understand the visor. It's, it's played. I mean, it's iconic, but right. if I were going to do, if I were going to give her something to indicate business, especially at that age, I would have thought gavel. That's exactly what, where to me, that was the most professional thing in, in the world. Mm-hmm. You bang that little gavel and everybody shut up. Right. That's what she wanted. Yeah. That would, so. that would make more sense. But I think that is a very good transition to fashion Ooh. because the visor's fashion-y, even if it's Christy wearing it. (laughs) So there was a decent amount of description, or at least a decent amount of references to outfits in this one, but a lot of them were like, Christy deciding to wear a skirt instead of jeans with her turtleneck to the graduation. So, oh, because they had the crush on the teacher's husband, which we did not, that's the only other thing that we forgot to mention, random Yes, but Christy got over it as soon as she realized he was a dad. And so yeah. when, when someone's a dad, you can't have a crush on him, notwithstanding the fact that you probably shouldn't have a real crush on a probably 35-year-old man anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, they did. By the, that was that was gut wrenching because didn't we establish that we thought Edie was like thirty seven and and she was like old, not like old like Watson old, but like old and uh, gross. Yeah, shut up. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. Sorry. But didn't yeah, mean to so, interrupt. But yeah, so I just as a general note, there are a lot of descriptions, but not a lot of interesting descriptions. So I'm going to give the two interesting descriptions. I have a feeling I know which one of them is. Yes. So the first one, this is probably, well, either one is pretty iconic in its own way. So the first one is Claudia. This is the one I'm yeah. thinking of. So Claude, as usual, was wearing some pretty wild earrings that day. And of course, they were coordinated with her outfit. Here's what she was wearing. I saw her later that day at our meeting. 
because obviously her babysitting was done by 5.30 because it had to be. An oversized red blouse with black buttons, green leggings with white tie-dye streaks, and black high-top sneakers with all kinds of buckles and snaps on them. The laces were untied, which I guess is the cool way to wear them. I'd be tripping all day, but Claude can pull it off. Can you guess what her earrings were? Dangling watermelon slices. Get it? She was dressed like a watermelon, head to toe. And of course, Jamie loved the effect because she was babysitting Jamie Newton. I kind of love it. I feel like the le- the leggings are maybe a bit much, but like I feel like it works with the overall aesthetic. I, I'm I'm on board. I honestly am kind of here for it. This feels like the second or third time now we've gotten a version of Claudia doing like an interpretation mm-hmm. of something. And we 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 we've joked about wanting to see Claudia do Disney bounding. Yeah. Like I'm loving this as a trend for her. I, like, I dig it. I think it makes sense as a thir- for a 13-year-old, like, these, you know, artistic expressions of, of the watermelon slice. I think that's really, really cute. And I certainly would never wear green leggings with white tie-dye stripes, right. especially with a red button down. Because my first thought was, yee, Christmas. It's a lot but, of luck. But it, 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 it works altogether. I, I dig it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm on I board. Do. I'm on board. Uh, and the other description is Mrs. Prezio, so our resident yes. extra. Kind of shady, by the way. The way Christy talks about Mrs. P throughout the book is is kind of shady. She's like, Marianne used to talk about how, like, dressed to the nine oh, she yeah. was. Now she just looks like a mom. And I'm right. like, what? Okay. Well, and yeah, and she's like, and Jenny's not dressing up as much anymore. It's it, Yeah, it read very much like she's let herself go. She's not keeping herself put together the way that she should be. Either that, it, so I read it, either way, it felt shady to me. It either read as, like, letting herself go, so, like, she's not as put together as it was, or that she's finally got her priorities straight. Like, the right. stuff about Mrs. P felt kind of like letting herself go. The stuff about Jenny felt like, oh, Mrs. P's finally right. figured out how to parent now that she's got two kids and can, you know, relax. Now Jen- Jenny's just like a little girl. Right. Um, And, uh, like, that, it, the whole thing just felt judgy. So, anyway, so I'm, I, I know, uh, I... I I don't think that the description of her fashion was as bad, but it it all reads a little shady to me. So I wanted to make sure that uh, that was prefaced with this description. Yes. Well, so this description is actually her outfit for the parade. So it's really more of a costume. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, Because again, the descriptions of her throughout the book are more sort of general. Like she used to be all fancy, but now she just wears normal clothes, essentially. So there wasn't really descriptions. Like an outfit. There wasn't an outfit in particular. But this is an outfit because it's a costume but it's an outfit this is a look it's a look okay so mrs p was dressed up as one of the queen's guards she was wearing this red uniform she must have rented it from a costume place with big black boots and one of those high high furry black hats that look like an animal nesting on top of your head fake medals were pinned all over her chest i love it i love also that they couldn't stop laughing at it like that they were like looking at each other and like right like giggling oh boy and that, but I love even more that it won. Mm-hmm. That like Christy was like I thought she was way over the top, and then she got there and thought maybe it wasn't enough, right. and then came back around to being happy she won. But yeah, the, this baby parade. I mean, we didn't even touch on what the hell that was because it was very much clearly a oh we need a plot contrivance. Right. But like some of these floats, I was like, is this a professional parade or are these parents right. making it? The way, because every other one that they described, like you said, there was a Star Wars float. There's a Wizard of Oz float. There's a Merry Ground float that, like, went around. Right. It was, like, very much professional, like, Disney World-style floats. And then again, 
you know, this is Stony Brook. I, it does track that these are very rich parents that probably hired probably someone, a bunch of teenagers, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Hired a team to put together something using like actual architectural plans, not just Claudia with chicken wire in her backyard. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Okay, I think I, I think we've litigated that one yeah, enough for sure. So we've got uh, what I believe is probably a pretty big book coming up next. We've got Marianne Mrs. Logan. So. Ooh. predictions from you so i am not looking forward to this one <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, mostly because i'm not i'm not we've been accused of being too hard on logan and i i get it i mean I, we're mostly joking for exaggerative mm-hmm. purposes like obviously i don't think logan is the devil and is like gonna go out and you know terrorize women and is he a little brat like most 13-year-old boys, yes. So I, I've been kind of enjoying the break from him. So it's not that I'm not – it's not that I'm like, ugh, Logan, kind of, but mm-hmm. mostly as a joke. It's more just I wish we could have, would have it a little bit longer for this – for the breakup to right. be – feel a little bit more meaningful. And so I do know that this is the one where they get back together. I remember that Koki is involved in some way, and I but I don't remember – exactly how i know that like she's after logan because she's always after logan and i don't remember exactly what what she's up to or why or but but she makes a play for him or she makes marianne think that they're together or something like that and it makes marianne now that i'm talking about i'm realizing i don't think i'm gonna like this one at all because basically i think it's marianne gets jealous about koki and logan and that drives them back together which is not a great reason to get back together considering the reasons that they broke up. But I, I think that that's what I remember uh, about it. I'm, I'm hopefully wrong. Mm-hmm. What about you? Do you remember this one? I don't remember this one at all. I don't think I read it. So I think I'm just I, – I'm assuming everything you just said is probably what happens. I can't think of another sort of non-over-the-top <laughs> ridiculous one. So I think I'm just going to jump to my ridiculous prediction. Do it. Do it. Do it. So the missing of Logan is because Logan – moves back to Louisville because he gets a basketball scholarship to go to the university there as a 13-year-old. And she misses him, and she doesn't know what to do with herself because she sees him on TV playing basketball every Saturday with with his college team. I don't even know what school's in Louisville because I was going to say UK, but that's in Lexington. Um, we'll just say he moved to Lexington to go to UK because I know I actually know that that is a real school that is in Kentucky <laughs> and it has a good basketball team. So so he's playing for for the University of Kentucky every Saturday, and you know she's watching him play basketball and she's pining away. She's missing him so much. And she steals Richard's credit card and buys a plane ticket to Lexington. And so she can hold up a sign to try to get back together with him. And he injures himself in the big, you know, (laughs) tournament championship game. And, you know, she's there and, and he sees her across the court as he's being wheeled off or carried off on a stretcher. And he yells out to her and, and they have a, a big reunion on ESPN during the championship game of the the NCAA tournament. And then because he has a career ending injury, he has to move back to Stony Brook and he and Marianne get back together at the end. I I love it. So basically (laughs) rookie of the year, except it's a romance plot with Marianne instead of his mom. (laughs) Yes. I wholeheartedly endorse. We are big fans of rookie. Rookie of the year is one of my like family movies. Mm -hmm. I'm not unconvinced that Henry is not named 
at least a little bit after Henry <laughs> Rowan Gardner. We do quote it at him quite a bit. So nice. Anyway, I love that. So how am I going to top that? Um, <laughs> he's dead. Oh. oh, no, no, no. Screw it. That's boring. I, I mentioned Lost earlier. Marion misses Logan because he winds up on the island. Mm. And so she's got to find and, – and this would be – ooh, this would be kind of a dangerous time because this would be like right around when Dharma's getting wiped out, right? Wouldn't this be around when Ben is uh, – spoilers for Lost. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, I think so. It would Getting be like close. late nineties. Either either it had just happened, was about to happen, like somewhere in that yeah. area. So she is like serious reason for concern. So she is out to find Eloise and Charles Widmore and figure out how to get to the island so that she can rescue him from Ben and the the machinations there. And then in the last chapter, we get the flash sideways, uh, where she and Logan meet in the afterlife and are welcomed into the church by Hurley. <laughs> Love it. Again, big spoilers. Sorry. We should we should have like put a little like spoiler warning in there. I, I guess that's gobbledygook if you've not seen the show. Very true. But that's that's my prediction. He's he's on the island and and she's got to get to him. So it's Desmond and Penny. Yes. There we go. You you uh <laughs> you you did a rookie of the year spin. I did a constant spin. Okay. Well, I think well, I guess one thing to mention before we get to final club business because we have touched on the fun finale episode of the Babysitter's Club Netflix television show, our plan is to re-release that final episode that we did when we talked about the show in our next episode, you know, just as a sort of a tie back in. Since in that episode, a lot of our conversation was like, here's everything we liked about this episode. Also, we don't know anything about the book, so we're just going to skip over that. So this is sort of the sister episode to that one. So if you listen to them together, you get the full picture of our thoughts about the book and about that episode. And we just wanted an excuse to revisit our our show and say say goodbye one final time. We we knew we had this like looming in the Mm -hmm. future as a we're gonna get to talk about the show one one more time. time. And and so we wanna we wanna revisit that farewell um and and hopefully you can all join us to cry for that. But then yes, we'll be back. So that will be in two weeks at our regularly scheduled time Mm -hmm. and then we'll pick right back up with Mary and Mrs. Logan following that. So join us next time to cry Mm -hmm. and 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 for a, a big hug to and goodbye to show watson because you know we are leaving him goodbye you know at least the the girls versions of the girls are carrying forward with us show watson is just that that's the end of him we, yeah. we there's no relation to the character yeah, we see in the he's, book, really, he's a so. fully different more well-rounded and expanded character it's still the same character True. but you're right we don't get right. the same mark firstiness of it we, yeah we, we don't get the same depth and nuance of watson's character in these books because it, we don't have because it's a TV show versus a book, and and Watson is certainly not narrating any of these books. I think that would also be interesting fanfic. Ooh, <laughs> Some of these storylines from from Watson's perspective as well. I think that would be interesting, and then we maybe would get more of that Mark Firstiness of the character. Unfortunately, no one has written that. At least none that we've seen yet. And again, more fanfic that we would love to see out in the world, and we'll go searching for it once we finish recording. So yeah. So I think with that, is there any other final club business now that we've touched on those 
a couple items. This is where we usually remind people where to find us. And this is especially important because if you happen to be aware of any Watson-based fanfic, you know, that needs to be brought to our attention. 100%. Um, and, and you can do so at Instagram or Twitter at GenerationBSC or at our Gmail, GenerationBSC at gmail.com. Um, we've gotten some really lovely emails lately. And um, thank you all for writing in. I know Kate responded to, uh, to got to respond to some of the, some of you all. And um, we, we love to we love to hear from you. So mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for reaching out. And um, yeah, like we said, cry with us next week. Yep. <laughs> okay. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friends.